What a joy it is to welcome you again to our services on this wonderful, beautiful Lord's Day as we meet together to honor and to worship and to praise our great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Our verse continues on because we continue on with the hand of God over the whole world, reminding us that He is God, no one else is, nothing else is, but the true and the living God. If my people, who are called by my name, will humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then I will hear from heaven. I will forgive their sin, and I will heal their land. We need to be reminded again that much worse than a COVID virus could ever be is the damage that has been inflicted on our nation and on our world by sin. Mm -hmm. The big need, much greater than a vaccine, is the salvation of Jesus Christ saving us from sin. And so we have a great message to preach today, a wonderful hope. Our Lord Jesus Christ is coming again, and we're going to honor him in every way that we can in this service. Do you know him, and do you love him? All right, the first 14 verses of 2 Timothy. 2 Timothy 1, 1 through 14. <clears throat> Paul, an apostle of Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life which is in Christ Jesus, to Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father and Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God, whom I serve from my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing, ceasing I have remembrance of thee in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I call to remembrance the unfeigned faith that is in thee, which dwelt first in thy grandmother Lois and thy mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, I put thee in remembrance, that thou stir up the gift of God which is in thee by the putting out of my hands. For God hath not given us the spirit of fear, but of power and of love and of a sound mind. Be not, therefore, be not thou therefore ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, nor of me his prisoner, but be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God, who has saved us and called us with an holy calling, not according to our works, but according to his own purpose and grace, which was given us in Christ Jesus before the world began, but now is made manifest by the appearing of our Savior Jesus Christ, who hath abolished death, and hath brought life and immortality to light through the gospel, whereunto I am appointed a preacher, and an apostle, and a teacher of the Gentiles, for the which cause I also suffer these things. Nevertheless, I am not ashamed, for I know whom I have believed, and am persuaded that he is able to keep that which I have committed unto him against that day. Hold fast the form of sound words which thou hast heard of me, in faith and love which is in Christ Jesus. That good thing which was committed unto thee, keep by the Holy Ghost which dwelleth in us. May God bless the reading of his word. How do you live and minister in this aggressively pagan age? Uh, the, 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 all of the media is on the pagan side. All of it, just about all of it, with minor exception. The academic world is on the pagan side of things. Did you know in the state of California now, 
Without parental knowledge or consent, your child may be assuming a different gender identity and have a different name on record with the school without your knowledge or consent. Mm. That's why the bathroom thing is so, so important, because if they assume another identity, then they go to that bathroom. And all of this is going on. That's going on in the public schools today. Pacific Justice Institute informs us of some of this that's going on. Without parental knowledge and parental consent, that is what I call aggressive paganism. Amen. The state is now claiming ownership over your children. This, this, the, the, no, that, that is not something I'm saying is going to That is happening right now. And in the hearings in Washington, D.C., we had one person that was just saying parents don't have a right even to stop surgery on their children's genitals when they're minor children. Parents don't have a right to know it nor to object to it. So this, this is going on right now. This took place at a hearing in Congress this week. So we're living in an aggressively pagan age. They are not content. They are not content to deny the Bible. They are not content to deny biblical morality. They are placing the law of the land against the word of God and on the part of the wickedness of the age. Now we're living and ministering in that age. And may I say, that will not get better because the institutions that are promulgating this are getting stronger. The public education system, the, the, the higher education system, the media, all of these things are getting more powerful. They're not getting weaker, they're getting stronger, okay? And if that's taking place, for you and I to think that things are going to turn around, um, that, that won't, that's not going to happen. And it doesn't matter who's in political control because underneath it, this is building a swell, a swell of support for this paganism is being continually developed. It's happened over the last four years. This, the swell of paganism and wickedness uh, underneath, from underneath, has gotten more powerful, not weaker, in the last four years. So when we take a look at this thing, we have the joy of ministering in this situation. Paul said, I am not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ because it's God's power resulting in salvation, divine deliverance to everyone who believes, to the Jew first and also to the Greek. So back to the outlines that we have. Just doing some review. We reviewed previous to this outline that you have in your hand, if you had today's outline. Previous to that, we, we said you have to have a strong foundation, an immovable foundation, in a very personal and wonderful and a very real personal relationship with God. And then a confidence in, in God's Word and a knowledge of His Word that are foundational to all of this. And then we mentioned at the beginning this particular outline, the reason for the mess we are in is because there are two mutually exclusive, totally incompatible kingdoms in this world. Now, if you don't recognize this, then you will never understand why we have such a great division in America today. 
We have about half of our populace that still have their roots in the Judeo-Christian ethic, and the other is in a total pagan ethic. The paganism that's been promulgated in the public schools and in the schools of higher education and by Hollywood and the media and by governmental institutions. So we've got two kingdoms going on. We have the kingdom of Satan and we have the kingdom of this world. And if we expect Satan to give up before it's all over, <laughs> we're living in a fool's paradise. Satan is not going to give up. And may I say, if, if, if his side is winning, it's because God's side is not as devoted as his side is. Now, we, we as believers have to decide of which kingdom we belong, to, to which kingdom we belong, and we've got to decide what is our commitment. Mm -hmm. Because the people in this pagan world are willing to die for their paganism. Mm -hmm. the, 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 it's absolutely amazing at the price they are willing to pay for their paganism. And if they win, it's because they're more, devo more devoted than we are. So there are these two mutually exclusive, totally incompatible kingdoms in this world. We go to page two. This is by way of review yet. Under these conditions, unity or harmony is possible only if one of these kingdoms completely displaces or dominates over the other. That will not happen until the end of Revelation when our Lord Jesus Christ comes and Satan is bound for a thousand years. So, uh, unity and harmony, anybody that promises that, again, is talking out of both sides of his mouth. It's like they said about the politician, there were two things nice about him, his face. <laughs> so, so at any rate, at any rate, it's impossible. So this sets the stage for perpetual conflict everywhere. By the way, if you've got children, you need to make them strong in the Lord. They're going to be, live a life of conflict, and, and it's not going to be an easy life. They're going to have to fight. They're going to have to fight for their beliefs. And if they don't, they're going to lose them. This stage sets the stage for perpetual conflict everywhere, the culmination of which we read, of course, in the book of Revelation. Now, we said confusing these two kingdoms is catastrophic. Uh, we have today a day in which we substitute darkness for light and light for darkness, bitter for sweet and sweet for bitterness. It used to be that the laws of our country condemned what was wicked. Now the laws are supporting what is wicked. Mm -hmm. He who justifies the wicked, he who condemns the righteous, both of them are like are an abomination to Yahweh, to the Lord. And then we said that the kingdom of darkness established itself on planet earth through the sin of Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden. And we talked about Cain, and we talked about Lamech, and we talked about Noah's day, in which things became so hopeless that God destroyed the world with a cataclysmic, cataclysmic flood uh, upon the whole earth. And only Noah and his family survived, and from them all of the earth was populated. Now, in today's message, we want to move on, and we want to go to a man by the name of Timothy on page number four. Now, again, before we read 1 Timothy chapter 3, we're going to read this list of, 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 of pagan characteristics. Let me, again, read the quote from Ben Heffer, Heffernan uh, in, in the Frontline magazine. 
uh, in this paragraph on separation. The cause of chaos in America today stems from a malicious refusal to agree with God's definition of goodness. Many therefore call evil good, good evil. They put darkness for light and light for darkness to their own hurt. These evil days remind believers of the value of truth and goodness. There is a fundamental distinction between that which hurts and that which heals, between that which tears down and that which builds up, and between that which destroys and that which blesses. This vital distinction undergirds the foundation of a much maligned doctrine, the doctrine of separation. At the heart of the doctrine of separation is the ability to recognize evil. A lot of people don't have that ability. You cannot have that ability if you do not know the Word of God. The ability to recognize evil, number two, the courage to condemn it. And number three, the willingness to reject it. Believers must practice biblical separation because it honors the fundamental distinction between goodness and evil. Ignoring this doctrine makes one guilty of being an accomplice to evil and contributes to the deception that evil is good. Right on the mark. Now Paul puts this in different words. In 2 Timothy chapter number 3, realize this, and I'm reading the New American Standard paragraph here, that in the last days, difficult times will come. They will set in. Men will be lovers of self, self-lovers, Money lovers, that's the Greek or two, the word love and self, the word love and money are compound Greek words. Self lovers, money lovers, boastful, arrogant, revilers. Boy, it sounds like you're looking at CNN. <laughs> Disobedient to parents, ungrateful, unholy. And by the way, in some of the some of the most blessed states where God has intervened, luck gets the credit. They're ungrateful, unholy, unloving, not loving, irreconcilable, malicious gossips. That sounds like the internet. Without self-control, brutal, haters of good, treacherous, reckless. Conceited, pleasure lovers rather than God lovers, holding to a form of godliness, although they have denied its power. Avoid such men as these. Now, this has not been a paragraph characteristic of the history of our nation mm -hmm. until today. Mm -hmm. This nation has been totally unique. Its foundation has been very evidently and predominantly through Judeo-Christian belief and ethic. They are foundational to the United States of America. 
And those who hate the founding of our country and our founding documents hate Christianity. That's where the rub is. Now, no one will define it in those terms, but when you get to the bottom line of what's going on, that's where the conflict is. The character of the age in which we live now. It's very interesting when you study the New Testament. And you, you've got to watch your thinking. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. And you will never rise above your thinking. You be careful how you think and process all of this in your mind. The church began at Pentecost. Those were heady days. Those were heady days. Miracles were prolific in those days. Thousands of people were being saved. The, the, the leadership in Jerusalem that was antagonistic to the church was just dumbfounded by what they were watching and they were helpless. They were helpless. They couldn't stop the spread. Many of the Jewish leaders were converted into the Christian faith. And then a fellow by the name of Saul came along. And then they began to persecute the church. But that didn't stop it. Mightily grew the word of God and prevailed. One, one thing was overcome after another, after another, after another. But then came days where the church was spread abroad. They went everywhere preaching the word. And the initial spreading of the word of God was phenomenal. But when you read of the Apostle Paul, and if you've been listening to one of the best series of Bible studies on the book of Acts that Dr. Kelly's been bringing on Sunday morning, you will note that by the time he got on his first missionary journey, phenomenal success was followed by phenomenal opposition and persecution. And the church grew and it grew and the opposition grew and it grew. Until finally the opposition toward the book of Acts almost overwhelmed. Almost overwhelmed the progress of the gospel. It didn't, but it almost did. And you have the Roman Empire setting itself against the Christian faith by the time this is all over. So the whole picture was changed at the end of the life of the Apostle Paul. So we've been living in days similar to that. I'm old enough to remember when the gospel was freely preached and it was freely propagated. And when, when it, it was accepted socially and it was accepted by the culture, and it was to, it actually, uh, it was endemic in the culture. It was a part of the culture. And now it's becoming an exception to the culture. And we're looking at this, and so the first thing we say is it's not working. No, oh, oh, wait, just wait. To, you expect the devil's going to give up? And we, and we tend to say, oh, well, well, we're not seeing the phenomenal success. Listen, what is success? Success is accomplishing the will and the purposes of God for your life and your age. That's success. And everyone can do that. It doesn't matter what happens to, to your life or what you do. Success is being faithful. That's success. I'm wondering, are we really going to, are we over, going to overcome this fear and terror of the COVID? Are we really going to ever get back together as a church? Or are half of our people going to be so frightened to death that, that, that they're going to sit home and just wither away spiritually. What's going to happen to the ministry, to the testimony of the ministry, to the propagation of the gospel? Living in an age like this, 
God did not call us to minister in, 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 in the USA 50 years ago. He's called us to minister today to the pagan age in which we live. And as I was reading through Acts this week, I noticed that a lot of times when Paul went, he didn't just preach the gospel. He reasoned for weeks and months. He reasoned with them because they had no spiritual foundation on which to build. It used to be most Americans knew who Jesus was. Now most of them don't. So there's a lot of reasoning. The process is different, but the gospel is the same. And the need for devoted to, for, for devoted preachers and gospelizers and soul winners is as desperate as it has ever been. Just because the day and the age changes does not mean that our ministry is gone. It means there is a greater need for dedication. We've got to get out of our living rooms, out of our bedrooms, and back in the church. Amen. And doing God's work. I'm challenging you today. Pray desperately that God will make this happen. And if you're not praying that this will happen, it won't happen. It won't happen. We need to be praying that God will make this happen. The character of the age. There is nothing beautiful, nothing good about this. Nothing good comes from sin. Sin has nothing to recommend it. It destroys everything it touches. It destroys everything that it touches. Now, the impact of this character of the age upon believers and unbelievers. How is this affecting you? How is this affecting your thinking? Has it discouraged you? Has it sent you for a trip through the slough of despond? How has this affected you? Are you and I being absorbed into this culture? Or are we rising above the culture by the grace of God, infused with the word of God in our hearts and in our minds? Until we become like God in our age, representing the power of the gospel of Jesus Christ and the life and love of Jesus Christ to a generation that desperately needs to see Jesus Christ in person as the Spirit of God lives in us and Jesus lives in us in the person of the Spirit of God. So how is this going to work out? Now Paul is encouraging Timothy in verse number 10. You have fully known, you have followed. You have followed. That is, you have followed along. You have followed along my teaching my conduct, my purpose. Uh, the, the thing that really, really, really concerns me as a pastor is that so many believers just lack divine purpose in their lives. There must be a sense of divine purpose. That, that gives us identity. That gives us confidence. That gives us direction. A sense of divine purpose. My faith, that is, my belief and confidence in God. My patience, and patience is different than perseverance. My patience, my love, my perseverance. And along with that, persecutions and sufferings. And the word persecution is, is the Greek word to, to pursue, to chase after somebody to hurt him. People chasing after us. It's an aggressive, it's an aggressive negative response to somebody. Chase after them to hurt them. 
You can do it with words. You can do it on the internet, in emails, and Twitters. It's done many different ways. Persecutions and sufferings, such as happened to me at Antioch, at Iconium, at Lystra. Pastor Kelly remembers these places very, very well in his lessons. I hope you were there as he went through these places. Now the gospel was preached. Many were saved. Listen, there will not be many people saved in San Francisco until God's people are willing to put up with the price they have to pay to get the gospel out. Mm -hmm. And well, part of the price is, again, getting back to church and putting the ministry back together in one place for a powerful testimony of the gospel of Jesus Christ. And if we have not the courage and the strength to do that, then you might as well just close up shop. A profession is not enough. We must follow our Lord. Amen. What persecutions, he said, I endured. What persecutions I endured. And out of them all. Now, if you have your outline, risk, uh, I'm sorry, if you have your outlines, underline this. Out of them all, the Lord rescued me. May I say, Jesus was absolutely right and true and transparent when he told his disciples, I am with you always. I will never leave you, and I will never forsake you. The people that know the power of supernatural divine deliverance are those who pay the price and who expose themselves to the dangers and the needs that happen that result because of a commitment, a total determined commitment to do the will of God. We need some iron in our blood these days yes. and some steel in our spines. Out of them all the Lord rescued me. Not one time did God fail the Apostle Paul. Not one time. Not once. You say, well, Caesar cut his head off. Yes, that was the means God appointed for his death. But until that time came, nobody could touch him. Stoned, shipwrecked, out of them all. How do you get that kind of a testimony? Oh, you only get that kind of a testimony from those kinds of sufferings mm -hmm. and those kinds of persecutions. We all want the excitement of heroism, but we don't want the exposure. Special ops troops are really the finest in the world. They have several branches, I think, and I'm not sure how this is all organized and set up, but special ops are the, are the guys that expose themselves to the greatest dangers and the greatest impossibilities and they performed the greatest feats. The heroes of faith went through the greatest of the struggles and the greatest of the trials and left for us the strongest and most powerful of the witness and the testimony and the foundation for generations to come. Listen, dear people, it's not about our survival. Number one, it's about God and who he is. And number two, it's about, it's about laying a foundation for the generations to come. If we want our children to be strong in the Lord, we've got to be strong in the Lord. If we want our children to have a strong faith, we must have a strong faith. If we want our children to dedicate their lives to God, we have to be dedicated to God. To the extreme, if you please. This is a part of it. 
How do you minister in an aggressive pagan age? By a faith that is aggressive and strong and powerful, rooted in the Word of God, rooted in a personal walk with God, and rooted in a decision that life belongs to God and that God will never fail. That's where we get it. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Yes, there's a yea here. Indeed, indeed, verse 12. All that will, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. Not some, but all. This is where these mega churches, these TV churches, who are telling you that God is going to, God is going to embrace your American dream, and He's going to help you to follow American dream. All who live godly in Christ Jesus shall experience the American dream. That's not in my Bible. All who live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. There is a price to pay. Now listen, if you don't serve God, there's a bigger price to pay. Let's, let's get realistic about this thing. Sinners pay... Oh, are you listening? Sinners pay a greater price for their sin than Christians pay for their faith. And they do it gladly. The man who drinks gets drunk, pays the fine, pays the broken relationships, pays loss of jobs. Listen, listen, listen. The wages of sin is death. Everybody pays for what he does. If you're going to die, for, if you're going to die, you should. You ought to die for the faith instead of dying for sin. That ought to make sense to you. That for which you give your life ought to be worthy of giving your life to it. So we have this choice that we have to make. All who live godly, all who desire to live godly in Christ Jesus will be persecuted. And then now notice his prediction here. <laughs> it reminds me of, of the fellow said, you know, they told me to cheer up and think because things could get worse. He said, so I cheered up and sure enough they did. <laughs> well, now this doesn't mean that there's not going to be any blessing. This doesn't mean that nobody will get saved. This doesn't mean there won't be any victories. But on the part of the wickedness of the culture, now he's addressing the culture here, okay? He's saying here that evil men and impostors will proceed from bad to worse. And you'll notice the deception that's in this thing. They're living in an unreal world. Boy, that not that true of the progressives of our day. They're living in a not real world. It's in, a, it's in an imaginary world that really does not exist. Yeah. Deceiving and being deceived. So, will you stay with me for a couple more minutes here? Timothy is to respond to this. Continue in the things which you have learned. Don't stop. Don't get discouraged. Continue on in the things which you have learned. You've been assured of. You've been convinced of, knowing from whom you have learned them. From childhood, really from infancy, he said you've known the Holy Scriptures, the sacred writings, which are able to give you the wisdom 
<coughs> leads to salvation through faith which is in Christ Jesus. Then this marvelous verse. All scripture, all the writings, every writing is God-breathed. It's inspired by God. And it is profitable for what you teach, for what you reprove, for what you correct, for training in righteousness, so that the man of God may be, may be perfect, which means totally, adequately matured, thoroughly furnished, completely equipped for every good work. And the idea here is again the outfitting, the outfitting of a workman for his work. Nothing is missing in the toolbox. Everything that you need to accomplish your task is provided for you through the inspired, the God-breathed scriptures, the word of the living God. It gives you everything that you need. May I say that if you are discouraged today, you need to consistently take time in the reading of God's Word. You will not, you will not read one word telling you to worry, to be despondent, to be discouraged, that God is going to lose, that Satan is going to win, that you are not going to make it. You will not read one word of that in God's Word. Fear not. Hundreds of times. Do not be afraid. Be confident. Be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. Be being strengthened in the Lord. God is with you. God will not fail you. God is for you. Just go through it as hundreds and thousands of times in the scripture. Get your heart and mind. Turn off the news and turn on the word of God. Your thinking will be different. <clears throat> so, the Word of God is our source. And the answer is not for us to quit ministering. The answer to us is, is not to change our doctrine. The answer is, is, is not to come into agreement with the, with the pagan wickedness of the age in which we are living. In chapter number 4, he charges Timothy before God and the Lord Jesus Christ. And by the way, the Lord Jesus Christ, in number one, is the creator of the world. Number two, he is the redeemer of the world. And number three, therefore, he will be the judge of the world. God is not going to be your judge in the, in the, in the, as far as the Trinity is concerned. God, the Father, has given all judgment over to the Son. Jesus Christ is the specific agent in creation, he is the agent in redemption, and his wounds in his hands and, and feet, his shed blood, are the evidence of that, and he's going to be the judge. And Satan is not the judge. He is going to be judged by Jesus Christ. I remind you that the pagans are losers. I want to remind you that the outcome of this is the glory of God. I want to remind you that the outcome of this is the eternal kingdom of God. We've got to be reminded of that. Jesus Christ is going to be the judge of the living and the dead. And you'll notice two means by which he's going to do it, by his appearing and by his kingdom. He is coming back again. He may come today. Mm -hmm. We don't know. 
So it's by his appearing and by his kingdom. <coughs> what is the answer? How do we minister? Well, we need to change the music in the church and we, we, we need to appeal to the paganism so people, pagans will come and fill our pews and they'll enjoy what we are doing. They'll identify, no, 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 pagans don't identify with righteousness. They need to repent. They need a message of repentance, salvation, redemption, life, transformation, if you please. Being transformed of the image, into the image of Jesus Christ, the Son of the living God. This happens by means of the gospel. And if I'm talking to someone today that's unsaved, listen, listen, the reason the gospel is so wonderful is because it's the power of God that from the inside out transforms your whole life and being. In fact, it creates in you a new life that does not exist right now. Right. It's called being born again. Mm -hmm. You need that new life. You get it by being saved, rescued from the judgment of your sins, by receiving Jesus Christ, who literally comes to live in you, and through the power of the Holy Spirit, completely transforms your entire life. That's God's plan for you. That's how you get back on the track, on the road. That's how you get your values straightened out. You don't straighten your life out and bring it to God. You can't do that. That's impossible. But he can straighten your life out. And he'll give you a heart that loves what's right, a heart you don't have right now. Mm -hmm. He'll give you a heart that loves God. That's a heart you don't have right now. But he'll give that to you. He gives you, <laughs> he gives you everything he requires of you. Right now you have none of that. This all comes by receiving Jesus Christ as your Savior. What are we to do? Give up, close the doors of the church, stay home, live uh, and, and live live stream the rest of our lives? No, preach the word. Preach, declare, proclaim the word of God. Be prepared, be ready. They have a, they have a saying in the military, be at the ready, which means in a moment's time you are ready, prepared to go into action. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort with great patience and instruction. Now you'll notice that, that, that the, the pagan age in which we live needs to be corrected. Not embraced and not affirmed. They used to have a saying of those that, 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 that don't have biblical moral values in their churches, we, we are a welcoming, affirming church. We affirm every sinner just as the sinner that... No, we don't affirm. Amen. We transform. Amen. We transform. We don't affirm. We don't affirm any sinner. I don't care what kind of a sinner he is. In what category you make it. Any category you want. We don't affirm sin or sinners. We don't affirm the paganism of the age. We affirm that God is right in everything. And his people are made right in Jesus Christ. Preach the word. Be ready in season, out of season. Reprove, rebuke, exhort. But do it with great patience and instruction. Again, when I was reading through Acts this week, I was just amazed at the patience of the Apostle Paul. <clears throat> when he went into Corinth for months upon months upon months, I think it was two and a half years, he would reason with them and reason with them and reason with them and work with them. What did he do when he got on Mars Hill? He reasoned with them. His patience was amazing. 
He didn't beat sinners over the head and say, Oh, you wicked people, you're all going to hell now. Get out of the way. No, he said, No, look, I was the chief of the sinners, but I was a religious one. And I want to show you that are Jews. I want to show you how that Jesus Christ is your Messiah. Now sit down with me and we'll take this one text at a time. We'll go, we'll study it out. I'll answer your questions. And then to the others, he reasoned with them, and he quoted their own philosophers. He reasoned with them with patience, and he dealt with them, may I say this? May I say this? As wrong and wicked as pagans are, we need to talk to them with respect. We need to respect their intelligence. It may be in darkness, but we need to respect them. We need to be respectful in our witness. We need to be respectful in our approach to sinners. We need to be respectful and loving, both. Not giving an inch on the rightness and wrongness of the philosophy. But we need to be patient. We need to be kind. We need to be respectful. Paul the Apostle always was respectful. Show me one thing. Show me one thing he did that was not respectful. Apart from his crying out, I'm a Pharisee. That was, that was, that was quite a thing. Have you gotten there yet in that lesson? Haven't gotten there yet. Well, you'll get there in your study on Acts. So, so we are to do that with great patience and instruction. He said the time's going to come when they, could, they can't take it. They won't endure sound doctrine. They, they, they are so self-indulgent, they, they will accumulate for themselves teachers in accordance with their own desires. They'll turn their ears away from the truth, be turned aside to myths. But he said, now you stay sober. Keep, 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 don't lose your mind. Keep your head, keep, keep your emotions and keep your thoughts. Keep them under control. That's what that means. Be sober in all things. <coughs> Endure hardship. Do the work of an evangelist, a soul winner. And the last challenge are the last three words in the text that I have in my notes. Fulfill your ministry. Fulfill your ministry. You and I have a ministry. And it doesn't matter what happens in the age around us. Our business, our business is to complete the course that God has set before us. To fulfill our ministry. Hamilton Square Baptist Church is called in this day, in this time, under these circumstances, not to protect ourselves, not to save our necks, not to look out after our best interests, but to glorify God Amen. and to fulfill the ministry to which he's called us. It's God's business to protect us. It's not our business to protect ourselves. It's our business to, to do the will of God, and it's God's business then to watch out after us as we do his will, and he will not fail to do that. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. Out of them all, the Lord delivered me. All right, we have a challenge. We have a challenge, people. I, I'm talking to you directly, especially to my people. And if we have others from other churches, wow. We need to get in business for God, stay in business for God, and nothing but nothing but nothing gets in the way, in the sense that generally we say that. So may God encourage your hearts. May he fill us fresh with his Holy Spirit. May the Spirit of the living God come fresh on all of us today. And if you don't know the Lord Jesus, listen, 
Settle everything on God's terms now. Sin is wrong and God is right. And you need to get on God's side against your sin and say, Jesus, save me from this wickedness in my life. Save me from my sin today. Come into my life. Transform it by your power. I receive you as my Savior, as my Redeemer, and as Lord and Master of my life. You are God, and I want you to be God to me. Heavenly Father, save precious souls. Revive your people. Renew us in our faith and service and ministry, we pray. In Jesus' wonderful name, amen.